Good morning, everyone. It is the 22nd of November. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons and Alex Byrne. U.S. equity markets again hit record highs last week, although the ever-rising dollar meant the reverse was true for some emerging equity markets, in particular China and India. Seamus, what has been powering the U.S. markets forward? Hi, Lorna. Yes, so U.S. markets continued to rise again last week, hitting record levels in the process. And it was the usual areas of the market leading the gains as well. So large caps outperformed small caps and growth stocks outperformed value stocks. So what was it that helped markets? So it was a combination of generally positive news flow on the macro side and also some impressive earnings announcements from companies as we near the end of the third quarter earnings reporting season. So on the macro side, we saw some strong retail sales numbers. U.S. jobless claims, they fell to their lowest levels since the pandemic began. And President Biden finally had his Build Back Better infrastructure package pass into law. And then on the earnings front, it was a big week for some of the, the retailers in the U.S. So Walmart, Target, Macy's, Coles, they all released very good earnings, very upbeat reports. So on the whole, you know, a pretty supportive environment for markets. Yes, it was. But these growing expectations then of interest rate hikes to come, they seem to be causing some volatility in the bond markets, however. Yes. So bond yields have seen a bit more volatility of late as investors fret over this issue of rising inflation. So we had the October CPI print in the US that came out a few weeks ago and that really spooked markets with the highest levels of inflation since the early 1990s. And the US is not the only economy seeing this. We're also seeing high inflation in the UK and in the Eurozone. I mean, just on Friday there, we German producer price inflation released and it showed an annualized 18% rate which is a pretty whopping figure. And obviously, we're all aware as well, strong rises in the energy and commodity prices as well. But then, you know, you have the formal announcements coming from the Fed, the European Central Bank, and other central banks that these rises are transitory in nature. And so a policy response is not necessary from them. But, you know, you sense investors are, are beginning to question this. And also, you know, we are seeing some members of both the Fed and the ECB break ranks and, you know, speak more publicly about their concerns on inflation as well. You know, so it looks like the debate is set to intensify further as this occurs. And, you know, we should probably expect to see more volatility in bond markets from here. Yes, and certainly that transitory inflation has been going on for almost nine months now. So it is trying patience a little bit. You mentioned energy prices there. And although oil seems to have come off the boil a little recently, natural gas prices leapt higher again in Europe, Alex. They did. Gas prices rocketed again in the last week, peaking at over 100 euros from 64 only a week ago. So you can see a massive increase in the price in the short space of time. Mainly comes off the back of a continuation of these fresh concerns about supplies that we've had obviously for a long period of time now. But more importantly, this week we had disappointment over Russian exports continuing to underwhelm and be used almost as a political pawn. And on Nord Stream 2, obviously the big talking point that was again paused in terms of the decision. It could be the second half of 2022 before we even start up again. So there may be a long, long lead time before we get any stability within that market. Despite all of this, ECB remains very resolute in its stance that interest rates will continue not to move even in the face of those increasing prices for the long term. Yes, and that ECB patience has been keeping the euro under pressure. That's partly explaining the recent strength of the US dollar, in fact. But the ECB or the European Central Bank gave a clear warning last week against exuberance in financial markets. And that was a reminder almost of Fed Chair Alan Greenspan at the time of the dot-com bubble. Yeah, the, the warning was specifically about exuberance in very specific markets, namely the housing market. 
junk bonds, crypto, and the potential for higher than expected inflation. So an admittance that could be a possibility is interesting. That higher than expected inflation could lead to sharp rises in interest rates. These parts of the market specifically are becoming increasingly susceptible to extreme corrections. And with inflation in Europe at a 13-year high, 4.1%, and as I mentioned, the ECB adamant inflation will fall back in short order. It's interesting that they talk of this concern around relation in regards to higher inflation and sharper higher interest rates. Yes, they included junk bonds or high-yield bonds in that warning. Seamus, this sector has seen record levels of new issuance this year. What's your view now? Yes, so like most asset classes, high yield has seen a massive recovery since early 2020. So uh, now credit spreads over government bonds, they've returned to historic lows. And with bond yields remaining pretty low in absolute terms as well, the asset class is just not as interesting as it was. You're also seeing issues in some of the smaller pockets of the asset class as well. So emerging market, high yield, that has undergone a significant correction in recent months as worries over Chinese property, which dominates the asset class, has really weighed on, on that part of the market. But that said, the asset class remains pretty well supported by accommodative monetary policy and fiscal stimulus. You know, these are the things that support all risky assets and they support high yield as well. So we actually think investors will be pretty safe to clip their coupons in high yield and benefit from the attractive carry on the asset class for the months ahead. That's a very sound advice and thank you for that. In the week ahead though, we have flash PMIs. What are you expecting from the US data there, Seamus? Sure. So uh, yes, the PMIs will once again be one of the key data points that people will focus on and they're out next week. And we actually expect them to be good as well, certainly on the manufacturing side. So recent regional PMI manufacturing surveys have come in stronger than expected. So the Philadelphia Fed manufacturing survey released recently that surprised significantly to the upside for November in their new order surge to their highest reading in over 45 years, pointing to very strong demand. And also the Empire State regional survey that also showed a very strong reading. So these, if you add them all up together, imply that we should see a big bounce in the US manufacturing ISM, which is going to be released next week, signaling resilience in the industrial sector following what had been a bit of a soft patch of late. Yes, very impressive expectations there. And data from Europe, Alex. We have European PMIs next week. Expected drop in German manufacturing and services by around the same measure. Overall, manufacturing remains much, much higher. Servicing, though, is approaching that very important 50 expansion boundary from obviously its massive peak that it had in the summer. The European composite is expected to drop by about one point to 53.3. Both drops correspond to drops in services and manufacturing. Slightly stronger manufacturing outlook obviously remains, but still a very high number overall on the manufacturing side of 57.4. This week, we've also got German GDP for Q3. Quarter on quarter basis, the rate moved from 1.8 to 1.5% expected. Year on year, much stronger, 9.6% versus 2.5%, but obviously that's from a much lower base when in the early part of the recovery. The slight lowering of the overall quarter on quarter growth continues to be around this supply squeeze, constraining the potential of the economy, and also that deterioration in that service sector sentiment that we mentioned earlier. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.